Hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. That's true. All those things are true, Steve. We do all those things. We have done all those things. We will do all those things. First ad was sent to us by Ruben Toman. Col, 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 oh man, I almost did it. I almost did a full name without screwing it up, and then I screwed it up. Wait, screw Colombe? It up. I think col- it's Colombe. Colombe? Colombe? Anyways, this is for a box of cereal that's been turned into a guitar yeah hopefully it says hopefully this hasn't been done before saw this in a weird secondhand store finds group guess it's pawn shop in texas would have been a lot cooler if it was a wheaties box i mean i we could go on a run here just name every single cereal that we know that would be a better fit i mean cornflakes is yeah it's a recognizable cereal box but i mean come on pops exist do you know the history of cornflakes uh yeah, uh, freaking Kellogg made him to make you stop masturbating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well. and it didn't work. <laughs> Are you speaking from experience? <laughs> everyone's still everyone's eating cornflakes and still masturbating vigorously. <laughs> Somewhere there's someone who's who's eating cornflakes while masturbating vigorously. Oh my gosh! Looking at the box, looking at this guitar, watching this video of this guitar. Yeesh. Welcome to the show, first-time <laughs> listeners. This is not what it's usually like. This is the this is the <laughs> one that we don't send to potential sponsors. <laughs> I'm going to make this the, the video that is like our suggested one when you're new to the channel. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't. I, well, first of all, let's talk about the design of this. So we've we've got a neck on a guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell the pedigree of the neck. It looks like it could be anything. Uh, the guitar it looks, it's got the same shape as a a, a, a sewer neck or kind of like an Anderton's headstock. Yeah, that's uh, this. Could, uh, this, this might could be, be a really high, high quality. End, I mean, they're asking four hundred dollars for this guitar. This could be a four thousand dollar cornflake guitar. Uh, I kind of like the the form factor of this. It's got that bow diddly. Uh-huh. Uh, square electric guitar thing going on, which I've always kind of wanted one of those because it's just so minimal. They it's, mount they mounted all the knobs and the switch to the top. Yeah, I think that's kind of fun. It you know gives you the most visual real estate for the uh, for the cereal box. I'm mm-hmm. wondering what's inside the cereal box. Is it just slipped around like a chunk of wood that fits in there perfectly, or is there some sort of support system in there? It can't just be a cereal box, is what I'm sure. Saying. I, I well, did they, you know, did they pour it full of resin? <laughs> Because that seems to be the thing these days, just pouring it full of resin and then like calling it a just, guitar. I feel like you could just probably take a piece of like, I don't know, a quarter inch, half inch. I mean, I, the neck looks Let's like, go crazy, five-eighths inch. I was going to say, the neck is all the way into, looks like it's all the way into the box. So it, Yeah, the fret axis is terrible. So, oh, my gosh. Well, no, not even that. Like, I'm just saying, like, it's it looks like it's in a, in a depth. So you'd have to sure. have, like... Well, a piece of wood that's at least the thickness of a standard guitar body. Yeah, there, yeah. Right? No, I, I'm betting this thing is wrapped around a big chunk of wood. and I, I, I'm hoping anyways. My hope for this guitar is so it's just is, a piece of wood like this thick inside there. Yeah, it's perfectly thick so that the the uh, cereal box is perfectly wrapped around it so it'll never like fall apart or never like crumple with use. It's got a wraparound uh, stop tail style bridge it, on it. it and it, intonitable. Intonitable. <laughs> It's I got might some kind of like covered EMG looking white pickup that looks very classy and actually works very well with the box. I would have if I had done this, I would have taken a little paint and continued the art of the box onto that pickup. Like of course you would. The, the little thumb of the rooster going up on the side of it. 
completing the part that says the original mm-hmm. across the pickup because it's covering the pickup, covering that text a little bit. Um, but yeah, cereals that you would choose instead. What would be your go-to cereal? I'm, I'm looking to, them up now because like, I, can't, I can't think of anything. And it, the cereal has to kind of like describe the tone you'd be going okay. for. This is taken from uh, from the Pelican Noiseworks Equits collabo uh-huh. with the fu- with the built-in fuzz, Captain Crunch box. <laughs> Captain Crunch box. I like that. Yeah, yeah, Captain Crunch is a really good Captain Crunch with a built-in distortion like tone adjective cereal. Yeah, it could be. I'm the Captain of Crunch. It's a good stage guitar. I still like Pops. I feel like Pops. Like Pops just is pops, good. Pops through the mix. Cracklin Oat Bran. Get that crackling <laughs> tone. Have you heard crackling oat bran? It's like the king of cereal, Steve. It's like eating a bowl full of oatmeal cookies. And uh, it's like here's, here's dense a thought. with fiber. It's here's a nuts thought. with fiber. You use some like old like crusty pots. You slap it to a Rice Krispies box. And every time someone complains that you're like sound super staticky, you're like, uh, yeah, Rice yeah. Krispies guitar. Of course, I've got the 60 cycle hum right here. It's my snap, crackle, and pop. Uh, I mean, what would be the worst ones? Like, bringing like grape nuts. Grape nuts. <laughs> no one wants tone like grape nuts. Oh, you know, just like kind of like unpleasantly hard crunch that's that sinks to the bottom of the milk, and so you don't even know how much is in there. Just like kind of like chewing on gravel, and che- doesn't really taste maybe like anything. Like Cheerios. How about sugar smacks? That's a good tone adjective. You play that guitar in the got wrong. Those sweet, sweet you pl- sugar if you smacks. play that in the wrong part of town, people are gonna like think you've got some some <laughs> sweet, sweet smacks. I mean, for for all <laughs> there's a lot of bad ways I could go with this, but for all you loopers out there, all your, your acoustic songwriters that are that are tapping on your guitars and stuff like that, there's Fruit Loops. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> Fruit I'm, Loops. I'm going through a list. I'm, I don't. I, we don't. I don't really I shop would, for cereal. There needs to be a pedal themed after Fruit Loops with Toucan Sam on it, and it's called the Fruit Looper. There probably is. Someone. Someone has to have done. Joel it. Corte, sponsor the show. Make me a custom Fruit Blooper. Oh my gosh, Fruit Fruity Bloops. Yeah, Fruity Bloops. <laughs> <laughs> like why cornflakes at least do like frosted flakes it must have been the they're only- great oh man i love my i love myself some frosted flakes there's just something so simple and pure about frosted flakes and you know the history of frosted flakes no the guy who worked for kellogg okay freaking jerry post i don't actually know his first name but his last name was post he was like i want to put sugar on your anti-masturbation cereal and Kellogg was like, no, sugar will make people masturbate more. And he's like, well, I'm going to go start my own company. I'm going to put sugar on your cornflakes. And I don't care how much people masturbate. And so that's what he did. And he started the Post Cereal Company. And, but, he, but and frosted, he came up with Frosted Flakes. But Frosted Flakes is owned by Kellogg. Well, he probably came up with something else. Oh, okay. There was a, frost, a Frosted Variation. I mean, that's kind of the rough, you know. I got the masturbation part right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Kellogg bought Frosted Flakes back from Post when they realized it was a super good idea and no one had stopped masturbating I'm qu- anyways. I'm questioning this story. <laughs> this story does not seem I'm, legit. It, 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 it may seem like I'm making it up as I go. Frosted Flakes wasn't invented until but the 50s. I vaguely remember seeing this on Drunk History. <laughs> 
Well, that you, means you it's, got me there. That means it's true, a hundred percent. Oh man! <laughs> Why not just make us get one of those resin guys to make a guitar out of cereal? What about cream of wheat? Like, who doesn't want creamy, weedy tone, dude? You okay, some, forget the cereal box. Um, grits? Get some butter in get your grits. The, uh, get use the freaking old fashioned oats, a uh, Quaker oats tube. The tube. Use that tube to make a guitar. Turn it into an amp. That's your amp. Mount a speaker mm. right in there. It'll be like the Klops speakers. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you go for a regular size? Bo- this is a 24 ounce. Would you go for the regular box or would you, would you go for like the family size frosted mini weeds box that you get from Costco or like the, the Honey Bunches of Oat box? It's real big and deep. I mean, I think if I was doing a bass, I'd have to. Oh, like, yeah, that's, that's the rule. If you're doing a serial-based band, you've got to have the regular size for the guitar, the family pack for the bass, and then you get like the box that the, all the all the family packs come in for the drum kit. It's like the shipping box, you know, from the pallet. Um, Quaker on me, Life Serial Box for your son cover band. I don't get it because they just son did the life pedal. Oh, oh the life pedal. There you go. Okay, yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, cool. <laughs> we solved it. Uh, this guitar is $399.99. I mean, without us being able to play it, you think it's worth the gag? 400 bucks for a single pickup, wraparound tailpiece, mystery cereal box guitar? I think if you've got all the parts to do this, you could just do this on your yeah, own. Yeah, but we don't know how good that piece of wood I mean, what if it is that sweet, sweet sure or Anderton's neck mounted on there too, though? I mean, that's a flip deal right there. Flip that neck. It's not. There's no way it is. Um, <laughs> that's not why I was zooming in. I was just trying right. to see if I could get a good enough shot of the of like a graphic of the like yeah anything. The graphic actually looks like it could be. I feel like this is a case a frosted. It looks like a the neck does say Kellogg's on. Yeah, it. they probably carried some art through to there. Uh, it. Oh, you know what would be fun? One of the the horror Halloween themed cereals mm. like Booberry, Count Chocula. Yeah, exactly. Count Chocula would be great. Franken Frankenberry. Frankenberry. Is it Frankenberry and Booberry? Yeah, there's multiple berries. They're I'd probably not go very creative. I'd go for Peanut Butter Captain Crunch, and that's a good cereal. PB Crunch. Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. Lay on. Oh man, I want a bowl right now. Boom. I feel like this is a case like that, like that double necked Velcro together double neck guitar where the shop is holding on to it because it's like their good luck charm or whatever, or it like brings people into the shop. They put it in the back of photos for their their listings, and people are like, I gotta go see what that is. I gotta go to this shop. Like they price this high so that people just come in to look at it and that gets them in the door, you know? Because I don't think it's gonna move at four hundred bucks. It's yeah. got to be, you got to find the exact right seller for this. And I don't get the feeling that they're doing the footwork to, you know, try to actually sell this. I think it's their good luck charm. It, it brings dollars in. What? Oh, okay. So like people just come to see and then they buy yeah, something they else. Yeah, they hear t- the tale of the cereal box guitar from their friends. Like, I got to go check this out. I'm in the neighborhood. I'm going to stop by. They probably charge a quarter to see it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It isn't. It isn't Texas. <laughs> Step behind the curtain. See the fabled cereal box guitar, guaranteed to halt your masturbation habits. <laughs> nice. 
Can you say it one more time? Masturbation. All right. Uh, well, so what's new, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> nice segue there. Um, I've got too many guitars is what's new. I mean, that's not really new, new, but it is new for me uh, having that feeling of just complete desperation that I need to get rid of stuff. I just got the groat in. It's sitting behind us. Uh, I had it in my head that I needed to get one more $200, sub $200 semi-hollow to compare to the Firefly and the Harley Benton to complete the trilogy, to complete oh the gosh. series. And now I'll never have to do it again. And when I was making the video, I had them all up on the table, all three of them. I was like, oh, holy hell. What have I done to myself? I've got three of these things. They all kind of play, sound, and feel the same. Do you think and I don't I don't need that much of one thing in my life. And I've got freaking more than 30 guitars in the house. And I've got that other Firefly that I put like the sparkly stuff on that I want to get rid of. And I've got other guitars around here I should get rid of. And I've got new guitars coming in because I turned this into my job for some dumb dumb weird reason. Or brilliant. This would have been a great. I mean, Ryan, I don't. I just don't know who you think you are, man. Like you're just a YouTuber. Nobody cares about you. And when in this, five, channel, yeah, in five years when this is done, I'll, I'll be nobody again. When this channel is gone, you're just you're gonna be a nobody. You're just a YouTuber. Steve. You're just a guy who plays music in your garage because you couldn't hack it in the real world. Not good enough to make a true contribution to the world. Right, right. Steve is referencing a uh, an angry troll commenter that we had last week. Um, so. I'm about to go on a family vacation. All, all YouTubers. Every, all, every, every YouTuber, YouTuber is, yes. is a hack and has not made no contribution. They are only on YouTube because they failed in the real world is the point this guy made. And he said he would come back to check up on me to make, to, to hear the lies that I say. Yeah, all the lies and you're, you're so – you think you're so good, so great <laughs> – no contribution. Steve is, Steve is still thinking about this guy. I forgot about him. It's just so so. Anyways, so I'm about to go on family vacation. By the time this episode airs, I'll be back, and I think I'm going to go into like garage sale mode with a lot of this mm. stuff. I think I bought a, a bunch of these semi hollows with inner circle money, so I think I'm going to do giveaways, like do some fun giveaway things with them. So if you have ideas for for ways for me, you know, creatively give away some of these guitars, say it in the comments down below might take your suggestions uh but man i need to move at least like five or six guitars around here i need to sell like a ton of pedals probably need to sell amps too i've got that boss next tone upstairs that i swapped out for the new katana in my office and you like the new katana more um well here's the thing the next tone sounds really good it sounds really good mm -hmm. but it does like a really good version of like a tube breakup sound right and it focuses on that sound so intensely that there's not a lot of variation in there. When the amp that I want next to my desk in my office, I want it to give me a lot of variation. Like, oh, give me high gain, give me low gain, give me clean, gotcha. give me effects and stuff like that. You and think the Katana does that better? Yeah, the Katana definitely hits that. And it's like I'm not recording it. I would fully record and demo with the next tone. I think it sounds good enough to mm -hmm. do that. I think it sounds great. But uh, people would revolt if I used a non-tube amp in pedal demos <laughs> it's just the way it would go so that's the only reason I is that true it. leave a comment so. below uh so i think i want to sell that thing um if you're a local listener and you're interested in any of the stuff that i'm mentioning hit me up and maybe we'll work something out um 
I need to complete some projects up here so I can move things. I, I've got a bunch of graphics stuff to apply to the Harley Benton offset thing. Oh. So I want to upgrade that and then maybe do a giveaway with that or do like a charity auction or something. Mm-hmm. Just make some room around here because it's gotten ridiculous, Steve. Like, I know there's people out there who have a lot more than me. But I'm I'm at the point where I fully recognize I have way more than enough. Like, right. I should be able, I should set a goal in 2020 to get myself down under 20, which is still a lot of guitars. It's still plenty of guitars, but I should try to get down under 20. I think I'm going to do something like, I've got the uh, the Harley Benton TE90 with uh, the Filtertrons behind me. Uh-huh. I was thinking about that. I really like the sound of the Filtertrons in it. What I should do is I should sell that guitar. I should get some Filtertrons, and I should put them in the Titan. Ah. And condense two guitars down to one sort of deal. Mm-hmm. I should do a bunch of stuff like that. I should really just, like, condense things and be like, well, I've already got. Oh, my gosh, Steve, are you shaking all these beers? Before you open them, what's the deal, dude? No, I don't. I don't. I they've all been laying sideways. These are the sideways ones. Weird. So, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're making a mess of yourself. What do you think, dude? You think I? What do you think I should do? No, I mean, I think you do need to like consolidate some stuff down. Maybe how I you need do to, that? You I know? need to have room for new stuff to come in so I can do my job with new stuff. Steve's gonna go get a paper towel. I hope he sees the roll on the workbench. Mr. Messy over here. I know it's like a first world problem. I know it's like a boohoo problem for a lot of people listening to this. Like, oh, poor Ryan has too many guitars. I I wish I had that problem. And it's like, I mean, we all have problems. If you've got too many socks in your drawer, you got to get rid of them, right? Right. It's not really like a too many guitars problem as much as, you know, too small of a house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're saying I need to move out to the country, get myself a big old barn and some peaches and some peaches, uh, fight some ninjas in the peach grove. Um, and then just have a barn full of guitars and never sell anything and never give anything away and just keep every single piece of gear that, that flows through my fingers. I mean, you know, there's two ways to think about this, right? Like one, you have a lot of guitars. Yeah, that's true. Um, the other part of it is, you know, like a lot of people, you know, they just they just case their stuff, and so it's like, yeah, they might have the same number of guitars. That's true. I could case things, and they're all just sitting in like they all have hard shell cases. So you just have a wall of vertical hard shell cases, you know, yeah, yeah, or whatever, a pile of them or whatever. I'm not saying that's better. It know? is a thing that, I could but do. it's a thing that's yeah. like, oh well, you could like rotate through. But I also know that your playing habits are the kind where it's like you will come in here and you'll just look at the wall and be like. Yeah, this is the this is what that. I feel like today. Totally. And so, you know, it's always it's actually really kind of amusing for me because I never know like what guitar is going to be down here. Sure, sure. Like you're currently I should been been playing. There are guitars I should case and just stick them in the attic or somewhere here in the garage and just be like, I'm not going to play that guitar forever, but I want to keep it for sentimental reasons. Yeah. I should yeah. Ca- I should case the sentimental guitars like Big Red and and, you know, Maybe even the Duosonic or something like that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's an idea. I mean, but that only maybe takes care of like two or three or four guitars. Right, right. I can't. And I certainly can't. like a lot of the newer stuff. Or things I've got you may cases not be as, hidden uh, over here that I could fill with things. And, yeah. Yeah. 
It's a thought. Yeah. So, what's new? But I also like the idea of like giveaways and stuff. Yeah, yeah. What's new with you, man? Uh, so this is like a new old thing, but I want to bring back the uh, sixty cycle hum phone line. We got to oh, call in. Shoot. We got to call in today. I'm going to play the whole thing. It's it's a little long, but that's okay. Hey, it's me. Uh, just driving home in traffic. And this is Coach thought, Schneider. You know what? I have not called the Humcast hotline in a long time. Wonder if it still works or exists. Or gets Google translated into an email that Steve will read and try and figure out what I'm saying. Wrapping Hey, here. Oh, thanks, Co. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, you might be drunk uh, driving. Good work, guys. It was great hanging out with you, ma'am. And um, I don't know. This is just like a place for me to ramble and be bored, I guess. Uh, it was like last ditch effort for to entertain myself while I'm driving. And not go crazy. This is not. Uh, recently, been a lot of weird traffic going through. Okay, okay. The El Cajon. I is this going anywhere? El Cajon. All right, pause uh, it. Yesterday, there was like a shooting or shots fired. Oh my gosh. <laughs> on Pepper, which is like a little neighborhood. All right, are you like, pause it. It's like my little side street. So, so there's a bunch of other stuff, and he wants to know if... Uh, <laughs> the concept is you can call this phone line, and maybe this is a way we can take topic suggestions. If you're listening to the podcast right now or watching it on YouTube, you could pause it. You could call the phone number, which I'll be flashing on the screen, and Steve could say it right now. It is 619-363-H-U-M-M. I don't, I don't know what numbers those are. Yeah, I don't know either. But uh, hit us up, give us a phone call. It'll be maybe our topic line, and we'll take some, you know, phone message requests from people. We'll pick our favorite ones if they're good. So make them real good if you want to get featured. They don't have to be really yeah, good. It, it can you be know, a topic. You know, I, I would say this: like, if you, you know the level of quality we hit on. If the show. you want to suggest a topic, suggest a topic. If you want to just call in and say something funny, like maybe if it's funny enough, it'll it'll make it to the show. Yeah, call in and do a stupid voice or something. I don't uh, care. This was a good one. I, I will play. This is one that we would have played on the show back when this happened. Who's this from? Oh, yeah, it was a phone message from the devil. I forgot yeah, about that yeah. one. He was he was saying that he had nothing to do with Miley Cyrus. Yeah, he but Debbie Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Debbie Gibson is definitely his. Yeah, yeah. Debbie Debbie Gibson's soul belongs to Satan, but not Miley Cyrus. <laughs> right, you listen to a Debbie Gibson album backwards and it is just full satanic. Yeah, so anyway, uh 619-363-H U M M from any touchtone phone or probably dial phone or Yeah, if you got a rotary, rotary phone, phone, if you got a rotary know. phone, stay on the line. <laughs> That's how old we are that we know that if you call in to certain phone services, if you have a rotary phone, you stay on the line to talk to an operator. That's all I got. I I just thought that was funny and and you know, now with the roadcaster, I think I think it's time to bring back the line. And that I mean because yeah. We haven't been using it because we didn't have an easy way to put phone calls on the show, and now we do. Yeah, yeah. So let's do this. Uh, this week's album. Album Exchange. Yeah, is, we finally get to do my album because I forgot to listen yeah, to it last is, week. Uh, MC5's Back in the USA. Mm. I want to know what you think about it first. Um, because so, it, have you ever listened to the MC5 in any sort of real way? Not like this. Um, I'm sure you've heard a song here and there, but you've never yeah. like, made like an MC5 playlist or anything like that. Correct. I have not ever 
uh, made a MC5 You probably hear, heard Kick Out the Jams. That might, I've listened to like MC5 in your car okay. like back in the day, and that's probably it. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha. Um, so what did you think of this album, Steve? I, I had a lot of fun. I think this, if I would say this, like if you're out there and you're trying to understand what the hell Ryan is trying to do in his <laughs> demo videos, go listen to MC5. Yeah. Uh, no, it was really informed because like we we played for you probably know me better your, now for your favorite band. Like, there's a lot of like that sound yes. in, in what we were doing in your favorite band. Yes. Um, I think my uh, two favorite songs off the album, I would say, um, "Teenage Lust" because oh, it's just man. like it's so good. It's very throwback to like whatever, and then uh, the American Ruse, because that's a wild song. particularly timely. Like, and it's funny, because it's like, this album dropped, I want to say 1960, oh, 1969. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, which, which is a, a, a time of turmoil in American history. Like, right, we're right. on the, we're you know, post-offensive Vietnam War. Yeah. But I'm listening to this song going like, okay, this was like a Vietnam protest song. But it kind of also seems really applicable in the 21st century for like the entirety of the 20th century. Yeah, I forgot to take a screen grab of my notes that I was taking, oh. but, but I I think I remember the gist of like things that I was thinking. Um, something I, I thought about it is like it all feels like this music is dated now. This yeah. music doesn't feel like it's you know, fresh music from this time. Although, you know, like garage bands from this era could certainly make music in the same style. It definitely feels dated, but it doesn't feel dated in a bad way. It feels like nostalgic. Right. You know, it's kind of like, like Credence. We're like, okay. Like MC five is like the, the punk rock Credence where, yeah, like this, this is definitely music of its time. I actually feel like it plays really well because I think there's still, I think if you are a, if you can be a connoisseur of this, right? Of of like pop punk, right? Then it doesn't like this still fits in like to, into your vernacular. I mean, I it's don't know. Such, I guess I, I yeah. haven't really listened to new pop punk in maybe like it's such a grief fifteen years. But M- MC Five is such an interesting crossroad of genres because it is like the split between what became like metal and punk. Right. Like you have elements of both of that in there, but there's heavy, heavy influences of like early rock and roll, Chuck Berry type oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, and the opener got, is a cover of Tutti Frutti. And then you've got this, this heavy undercurrent of like soul. Yeah. In it. I mean, it's not on this album, but freaking Ramblin' Rose. And I forget the name of the, this, the, the slow one that was off of this album just gets yeah. so soulful. And that <laughs> the note I made on that is like, this is their longest song on the album. But if it was the same beat per minute as any of the other songs, it would be the shortest song on the album. Yeah. I think that was uh let, let me try. Uh, Cause most of their songs song. are like one thirty, Yeah. two forty five max. Like they're just these ripping fast songs, all up tempo, all like, just get you in a happy mood yeah, this, even though like they're aggressive like they're like they're like man this is like happy music this album has one song under two minutes and two songs over three minutes <laughs> yeah, exactly. out of uh 11 tracks yeah yeah another thing that i thought was fun about it because 
I mean, you heard definitely that this influenced me with your favorite band with yeah. my songwriting and stuff. Listening to it and just being like, man, I just whenever I hear songs that are about music now, I just think that's kind of corny mm-hmm. because that's something that I did a couple times in your favorite banders wrote songs about being in a band or write, write songs right. about music. But somehow like the MC five pulls it off. Like it doesn't make me cringe when they do it. I don't know what that is, but I had not, so if you like the music, it works. Yeah. I guess I wanted to listen to this because I realized, um, when I was really getting into the MC5 and listening to them a lot, I didn't actually listen to albums. I was, you know, lime wiring and like right. Napstering individual tracks and what was ever available. I didn't know what was, you know, album order or, you know, what songs I was missing because they weren't, you know, what people, you know, thought of as the popular MC5 songs. Yeah. So it was, there was like four or five songs on here that I'd never heard before. And it was like, oh, new MC5. I had no idea. <laughs> and it was really fun to hear them in the album order. Um, so I'm really I'm really happy that I got to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. It's like uh I feel like this is something I'm trying to figure out what mood I would need to be in to like just think, oh, I should listen to that. Um Oh, if I was like if I was like driving somewhere to go on a hike. Or right. maybe if I was hiking. It depends. Like sometimes I'll hike with earbuds, sometimes I'll hike, you know, just taking the taking the environment. If I was hiking with earbuds, I could see like wanting to listen to this. Oh, totally. Like, or if I was driving somewhere, I to think do, it's good like, road tripping music. If I was driving to do something athletic, road tripping, that would be good too. Yeah, like where you're just like trying to get like psyched for wherever you're going, maybe like. Uh, he, the human being lawnmower. I had to look up the title of it. My note on this that I wrote down was put that on the soundtrack of my life. If they make a movie about me, like work that in somewhere, because that song just like. I feel like it's burned into my bones, you know? It's part of my DNA. Yeah. Man, MC5. I love them. Uh, we're going to do a new thing with these. We're going to do the... Uh, we're going to try to do this album exchange thing all year long, all 2020. It's like our uh, New Year's resolution. Yeah, uh, we're not going to necessarily do it every week. What we're going to do is... Every week many, we can. Every week that we have enough time because we're going to plan on doing it every week. We'll see if we actually listen to, the well, we albums. already missed a week. I know, I know. Uh, but what we're going to start doing is we're going to start sourcing suggestions from our Patreon group from the inner circle. So if you've got a hot idea for an album that we should cover and you've been thinking about supporting us, maybe now's the time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. The other side of that is um, we're going to try to post what we're listening to beforehand before, like the day that we record, which yeah. is always like a few days before. Um, we'll try to post what we're going to be listening to. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to be talking about. So you guys can listen and, and because, you know, some of the albums we've done so far are classic albums that a lot of you have already heard and a lot of you love and hate the fact that we don't. Um, but I think we're, we're going to start getting into stuff. Some of it, honestly, like we're going to probably start punishing each other. Yeah. We'll get into album warfare. When you first suggested this, I my first thought was, is Ryan trying to, like, does Ryan think this is going to bother me? Maybe uh, maybe we this will turn into some sort of spinoff show and we'll need a new channel. I'm not, say- I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but at some point we will be listening to a Taylor Swift album this year. I think I, I'd probably have a, I'd have a better time than you'd expect listening to, like, a pop album. No, I think you like would, that, too. Then... 
if you went if you went full nuclear on me and were trying to punish me like dashboard, some dashboard confessional some sort of screaming no, email no, no, thing. No, no. Okay. Um if I wanted to really punish you, I would make you listen to Secondhand Serenade. Secondhand Serenade I don't even know what that is. is Dashboard Confessional turned up to eleven and not turned up in eleven to eleven because in like a hard rock way, because Dashboard Confessional turned right. up to eleven in a hard rock way is just every emo band. Right. Dash this is da- Dashboard Confessional's nasal vocal turned up to eleven. Oh god. This dude sounds like Chris Caraba who after he'd been kicked in the balls three times. Did that happen to him? No. Can it? <laughs> 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 Speaking of Chris Caraba getting kicked in the balls three times, this week's episode is oh brought to you gosh. by Chase Bliss Audio. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with us, Joel Corte. They make pedals uh, more creative than you are. I know we've been hyping the uh, Automatone stuff, but you know uh, whether it's the Dark World, uh, fabulous, fabulous reverb, the freaking Condor, ah, <laughs> the Total Recall. <laughs> Uh, basically everything except... Get your ass to Mars. Everything except a flange. No flanges, don't ask. Um, head on over to chaseblissaudio.com. Uh, at the core of every single Chase Bliss pedal is a fantastic sounding classic effect that between the freaking dip switches oh and knobs, gosh. you can make it do pretty much anything. There's more dip than imagine. a Super Bowl party. Oh, that's a timely reference. I know it's too late. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. timely for the time of recording. Yeah, anyway. sorry, boys. Uh, you know, people will be still thinking about those dips from Super Bowl. That's right. Like, that's I right. I remember that seven layer dip. It was better than the six layer. It had an extra layer, and they'll be like, "Yeah, Chase Bliss has dip. I've got to get into that dip." Go check it out, chaseblissaudio.com. Just like the dip from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Chase Bliss pedals will make you melt in a good way, though, not like a cartoon shoe. All right, topic, Steve. Let's get into it. Yeah, this first topic was sent by Matt Tobin. He says, should average Joe guitar gear enthusiasts attend NAM, or is that annoying to those there who do real business? I don't think it's annoying because people aren't thinking about that while they're doing the real business. But if you could look, if like people had, you know, they live glasses, like the vendors and the buyers and media and whatnot could put on glasses and see how many people are just there to just be there to, as right. like a tourism thing, it would probably piss a lot of people off. They'd be like, okay, these are all the people keeping me from doing quality business right now. Yeah, I, I definitely, I did talk to, or I didn't talk to personally, but I was reading some threads with um, some guys who were at NAM who basically said like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a zoo. And, you know, I, that say, these are people who are, are vendors who are, uh, this, yeah. one of these guys was a pedal builder and he basically said, like, yeah, I went there, and um, there's definitely a lot of people who are not there to conduct business. They didn't even really, like, talk to me. They're there to kick the they tires. Just, they just came and, like, were like, oh, you make pedals? Cool. Which one? You know, whatever. And they didn't really have any interaction beyond that. But on the other side of it, I mean, maybe the people who are there who found a way to get in who aren't necessarily doing business, maybe they're part of the hype machine, though. Right. And maybe it's part of the marketing of being at NAM is if you, you know, a lot of people will display at NAM not because they're trying to get into retailers or anything like that, but because it puts them on the map. And maybe that's part of it, you know? Right. There's, uh, you know, I, and I, I, and that's the thing is like, I don't know what the incentive is for, for some of these brands. There's certain artists that 
you just always see at NAMM. Like, oh, sure. There's like Lita Ford signs autographs at like four different booths at NAMM. Right. Jerry Cantrell signs autographs at like two or three different booths at NAMM. Orange has like, actually, I felt like I saw more. Maybe they were just better organized this year, but I felt like I saw more um, meet and greet sessions this year than any other mm-hmm. year. But that might have also been because a lot of the booths are actually, instead of having to go to the app and figure out what the hell's going on at Ernie Ball right now, they just had like a TV screen. Well, I was going to mention Ernie Ball. I think that's the reason you have that impression because they were kind of like in a central hub area yeah. of the floor. And they had those big screens up and you could see this full schedule and be like, oh, uh, uh, Rob Chapman's going to be here. I'll have to stop by yeah. and be bullied by him. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> And and so <laughs> I'm so glad we've never actually talked about that on the show. And, and so and we uh, won't. We will not. You know, there there's stuff like that, and it, it's interesting because I don't know. Like I I could I was on the verge of like being like maybe I should just get him one of these lines to see like what it's like this year. I can't be fun. It can't be worth our time. It's 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 so strange though because okay so I again Ernie Ball. Um, I one of the times I was there, I, the line goes out. So it's I don't, how how large is that booth? Like fifty by fifty? It's pretty big. It's big enough to be a store. I would guess it's. I would guess the each side of the booth is probably fifty or six. Like you think it's more than? No, I think that's fair. Like fifty I look or at this sixty garage, feet each the, side. The length of the garage oh, is like twenty feet. It's way bigger than this garage. Oh, I know yeah. that. That's what I'm saying. I'm I would, saying I'm it's giving like you two a of these garages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd say it's like so four. Like, four? Yeah, because it's cubed. Oh yeah, so like fifty by fifty. Yeah, yeah. So um. So it's, and got, it's a large like a space stage in there and they've got a stage and the line wraps around the, in, that entire perimeter. And I stopped and I asked these guys, I'm like, what are you guys in line for? Cause like, this is a serious line. This is like the longest line I've seen. And it's like way ahead of time. Yeah. They're like, Oh, it's- Steve is a big line hound. Like he is big into lines. He is a collector of lines. He just, he reviews lines for uh, Q magazine. <laughs> I just don't understand lines at Nam. Sure. Um, and and they're like, oh yeah, we're here for uh, we're here because it's uh, Butch Walker and James Valentine. I'm like, oh here we okay, go. Okay, cool, whatever. And I'm not gonna. That's, that's, okay, that's a one on one. Steve joke. had a big old spiel I had a, about I had a those fun boys. joke about those guys. Um, I told a lot of people. I told that joke to Brian Nutter, and he laughed. <laughs> so uh, yeah, any- I love I love Brian. It's not hard to make him laugh. That's I don't true. Th- I don't that's- think that's. <laughs> Damn to, it! I'm trying to think of a sad boy that I would have been impressed if he told me you, yeah, you made him laugh. Um, but uh. But I just can't imagine going into an event and being, even if you're like, I guess if you're a gear enthusiast, I, I, I guess all of this roundabout to say there's a lot of people at NAMM who aren't even gear enthusiasts. They're just there to like, because they're maybe fans of like one or two brands because they know them. Also, and they're going to spend the rest of their yeah. time like in lines to, to get autographs. Also, we tend to think of NAMM as so guitar centric. It's easily an eighth of NAMM. Oh yeah, guitar stuff. Like we were, we were it's talking like an eighth guitars and like an eighth trombone, like a third pro audio. It's like an eighth didgeridoos <laughs> and didgeridons. Uh, there's at least one eighth triangles. Oh my gosh, <laughs> how many eighths are we up to now? But Four? no, like it covers like the entire music industry, not just guitar. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got drums, you've got live sound, you've got studio production stuff, you've got everything in between. And we tend to think so squarely on just the guitar stuff. But like we were talking about someone pre-show that was like, oh, like they'd want to go to the show. And I realized, like, oh, they're a podcaster. They could go on a media badge and just, like, say, oh, I'm there to check out microphones. 
Right. Yeah. Like, like we think, oh, they're not connect. Their podcasts are not connected to the guitar world, but they're connected to recording. Yeah. There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to go on a media badge. You know. So. And there's a lot of different kinds of tech like that. Like, yeah. um, there's pod- a lot of people in the industry that could be there and should be there that we don't consider. And maybe they're strolling through the rest of it. And they're like, Oh man, all the celebrities are in the guitar section. So I'm just going to go hang out there and, you know, see if I can spot, you know, like Alice Cooper or something like that. Uh, and you know, it's, it's not of our business why they're there or not. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's not our business. I'm not going to, there's judge. definitely a lot of people. And you know, it's, if there's a lot of people who are there because they frequent a mom their local mom and pop music store uh yeah yeah. there's a lot of people there who because just because they're music students so if you're part of like a band uh, like a high school band program or a college band program like a lot of times those programs or if you're uh uh taking music lessons again at your local music store a lot of those places get like education passes so so they'll go um there's just a lot of different kinds of people i think even that is is better than just like general admission if they just open the doors sure because then you have people who are taking classes who are at the moment invested in music yeah on a certain level versus someone who just like goes to guitar center to kick the tires and it's like oh i think i'll go to nam just so i can see all this stuff as it launches and i can have opinions on i know i know a lot of people i i have heard back and forth so one nam as far as i can tell the so-called summer. You've been to Summer Nam. Does yeah. Summer? Do you feel like Summer Nam has a what? I have heard Summer Nam has a public day. They do. They do. They do. But Summer Nam is a billion times chiller than Winter Nam. So how does their? Do you think like their public day works because of that? I think just because of the town that it's in. It's Nashville. It's Music City. Every day is already public day. Right for the music industry. And so people who are coming to Nam are already just kind of like, just chill about it. And I'm just pulling this up. I'm just making this up as I go. But that's like the vibe that I get. We're like at Winter Nam in Anaheim, people are like thirsty and like crazy. Like, this is my chance. This is my chance to like be in the room with like industry professionals and right. stuff like that. Where at Summer Nam, it's more like, hey, man, see you at the office. Yeah. yeah. I'm con- I am I keep hearing like, oh, public day, public and every year there's a rumor that like, oh, Winter Nam is doing public day. And ev- like, especially after this year, I'm like, if Nam, if w- Winter Nam ever did a true public day, it, it, it there's, it's that space is already full. Yeah. There's no, How do you there's public no room. Day? The noise is already unbearable, like, like unbearable. Like you, yeah, you gotta wear ear protection in it's Nam. Madness. So like, I know it's, it's, you know, all those media people make it look cool. Like, oh, we got to see all this stuff. Well, oh, some we of it too is like, people. I think people watch your, some people watch your videos and don't realize that you do so many, like so many of those videos you do two, two hours before, like an hour or two oh, before yeah. it's, I was, pu- it's open, not open to the public, but that, that was is open at all. That was my big thing this year. I realized if you got a, a booth badge, a, just a, a, an exhibitor badge, then you could come in way before Nam opens. So I got Harmony to line me up with an exhibitor badge, and I was going in at 7 a.m. Did Nam doesn't open till 10, I think. Yeah, 10. And most pe- most of the exhibitors don't show up till 9. Yeah. So I was in there a good three hours with no sound, 
just super quiet. The only sound was people vacuuming and it was glorious. I think next year I'm not going to shoot so much. I'm going to control how much I shoot and I'm just going to wrap it up by noon every day because it's too much it's too much noise to be in there for yeah. freaking seven, six hours of NAM. I'm going to do my work in the morning, then I'm going to get out at lunch and I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go back to the Airbnb and sleep or whatever. Man, it is loud. So let's move on to something else. Let's let's get to another ad. We're going to do we we're recording one episode tonight to make up for the fact that I'm going on vacation next week. And we're going to make this a long one already. Apparently. Uh, this next ad was sent in by Adam Dolhanik, the inboxer. This is a relic EHX crayon. They're asking $65 plus $5 shifting, uh, which is like the price of the pedal new. Weirdly, so I, th- I think this looks cool on the crayon. Like uh, something about, because the crayon, the graphic on it already has like a lot of motion with those crayons yeah, coming yeah, in fast. Yeah, actually. And it kind of looks like this you know, crash landed. Yeah. You know? uh, it says selling my custom relic EHX crayon has been modded by AWOL pedals. Now it, it was the relic done by AWOL pedals Maybe? or is the pedal modded by AWOL pedals? The switch on. Oh, okay. There's a switch on the side. It's gives been modded. You different settings and such as more cleaner boost or subtle custom led color has been added as well. Custom knobs to match each crayon Velcro on the back. Uh, so I guess maybe that's why the price is bumped a little because it's modded. It's modded. Uh, it's not bumped for the relic, I don't think at all. Because this uh, was this was attacked with a belt sander right. or, or an orbital sander or something yeah. like that. Um, I kind of like the idea that if you get a pedal modded, then instead of just putting a sticker on it, you just relic it. That the company does something significant to alter its appearance. Uh, like, have you ever seen the the acid etched pedals? They'll yeah. take like a production pedal and they'll, they'll dip it in acid mm-hmm. and the print will burn off slower than the metal around it. So you're left with like a 3D right. variation of the art. Like if you're going to mod a circuit, might as well do that while you're at it. Like have them open the whole thing and, and do something crazy. I don't think I'd ever want to pay for this kind of relic. I could do this at home myself. Um, Here's here's a question. Like, if we relic, if we start getting relics pedals, if it becomes a thing, do we want relics that look like, oh yeah, hey, this looks like a forty-year-old boss pedal, all the little authentic chips mm-hmm. and stuff on the edges, oh, the, the paint is is aged, and oh, it's more of a matte finish now. The shine is gone. Do we want like fantasy relics? Like we had that pedal on the show months back that someone pulled up out of the ocean and had barnacles on right, it. Right, right. I'd be down for fantasy at relics. So you want the Little Mermaid relic? Give me that Little Mermaid relic. <laughs> no, um, like, like I said, this looked like it had been like in a crater impact or something like that. It looked like it had really crash landed. Well, like Dan Electro's kind of doing the 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 forty year old relic thing. 50, yeah, fifty year old relic, but it doesn't really look authentic. They look distressed, right? You know, it looks like a distressed jeans where you look at them like, oh, that's not real wear. That's just like a style to have mm. them distressed. I think that is interesting, though. I, I'm sure we joked. On the show, in six years of doing the show, like, oh, there's going to be... At least once. There's going to be relic pedals. People are going to pay an upcharge for relic pedals because we were doing that to make fun of relic guitars for whatever reason. Um, but, I mean, anything that's a look that looks cool is viable commercially. Sure. And if, if you can make a pedal look cool by giving it a distressed kind of themed look, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that, and that's always, you know, that's always the rub, right, is on the one hand, like, Relicking is 
it's fake. Like it's not off. It's not. You gotta authentic. earn your pedal dings. You gotta earn your pedal dings. Um, but on the other hand, like if you like the way it looks, like why? If it makes you feel cool when you look down and you're like, oh yeah, I feel cool now. I don't care what you do. Like this isn't this isn't biological. Like if you want your stuff, to, if you want your stuff to work, look cool, you shouldn't have to like stick to a diet and lift weights every day to look cool, to make your pedals look cool. Right. And it's not like relicking it is cheating and like steroids. Yeah. To follow that analogy. Is this a look? It's just a look guys. It's fine. It's fine for things to look certain ways. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine if what's his name was relicking clones though. <laughs> Bill Finnegan? You think they would have any sort of... You think the relic... Like, if he was hand-relicking Klons on the original run, would the would the relic ones be more valuable now or less valuable? I think it would depend on how many of... If there was equal numbers, then I think they would be the same value. Like, with those... If there was only, like, 50 out of, like, the 1,000 or whatever that he made, or, like, a thousand... Or, like, a, you know, 500 out... I think he made 5,000. Yeah, yeah. So, if it was, like, he only made 500 that are, like hand distressed there's no way those things wouldn't be going for like an extra thousand dollars last episode we were talking about a guitar that was covered in coins or it was like two episodes ago or whatever yeah yeah um coin collectors i vaguely have this knowledge i'm probably gonna mess this up but there's certain runs of coins that were like mistake runs uh-huh. like oh this the imprint isn't good or like the, yeah. the date is messed up like this like the eight doesn't close at the bottom or something like that i would if there were like Finnegan cases, if there were Klon cases that had factory defects, manufacturer defects that were still like that made it into the wild, right? Made it into the market, like oh that little you know that little you know Art Deco uh, element on the corner had like a big imperfection in it and a big like yeah. just bubble in it or something when they were pouring the metal. I would look at that as a collector's piece. Sure, and, and well, so. But I wouldn't – I don't think I would – I think if, if there were clones floating around, it's like, oh, yeah, Bill, like, you know, he shook this around in a bucket with a bunch of nails, and now it's all dinged up, and he – you know, it, it was one of his relics models. I'd be like, that's something I'd make fun of. Right. Okay. But, it, huh. but if he was selling – like if, if he was like, oh, here's one that's like the case is just imperfect, and he sold it to close friends, and they made it on the market, I'd be like, that's something that's got – that's collectible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that makes me think of, uh, you know, being an eighties kid, I guess I was like a card, like a, did you ever collect cards? No, I was never card boy. Like Spar- I did buy, I did buy at least two packs of, Oh boy. Of next generation cards. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I collected, I collected baseball cards for a long time, like sure. sports cards and stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting that you brought up that made me think of that is when, uh, a card has a factory defect. There's basically like three kinds of factory defects. One, if you have a card that the defect only happened one time, right? It's kind of like uh, it's it's just kind of weird. If you have a card where the defect happened on every single card, nobody cares because it's just every card is wrong, right? But if you have a card where like halfway through production, or like it's usually not half, it's like ten percent of the way through production, they realized. Oh man, we're putting the wrong name on this, or this guy's name is spelled wrong, or like whatever. <laughs> like that card is is worth more. Like oh a lot no, more. we put up a naked picture of him. 
there's so there actually there's a uh there's a card um that uh there's a player and there's two versions of the card and the one he's holding his bat like on his shoulder and on the knob of the bat it says like i think it says like fuck off or like something like that right 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 so that version of the card make is, a note steve is, i already to... did uh <laughs> he's planning i already it. did it after you talked about masturbating for 10 minutes <laughs> um so that version of the card is worth more than the one i've that's, never that's, masturbated that's for 10 sent... minutes <laughs> only longer um the the one where it's blotted out is worth less than the one where it was left in place. So when you're using like the the Bill Finnegan reference, like it'd be like if there was a bunch of pedals. Oh, some some company should do this on purpose just to see what happened. Um, if that instead of being called the Centaur, it was called like the the Center, cent, the Centaur, like with an I or like the cent, a Centaur. T A R instead of T A U R. Uh-huh. Like just a bunch of them that were it was spelled wrong. Right. Right. Like those would be worth something as long as they weren't the entire run. If it's the entire run, then you just think like, was this was this made like overseas without a spell yeah. checker? Like, you ever shop at like dollar stores? Yeah. Uh, so one year I bought up a ton of Christmas wrapping paper from a dollar store uh-huh. just because like all the wrapping paper, all the, the print on it was out of registration. Which means when you print, it's four colors: it's yellow, magenta, uh, cayenne, and black. Right. The registration is, you know, if this in registration, they're all lined up correctly. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them was lined up incorrectly. So, like, all the colors were floating. Oh, weird. And not connecting. And it was just kind of a really cool look. And as, like, someone who works with print and stuff like yeah. that, I was like, oh, yeah, I love this. I love that this is, you know, just completely messed up. And so I bought up every roll. And that was valuable to me. But to most people, it was like, oh, this is all messed up. This, these Christmas trees are all out of focus and, like, blue and yellow and magenta what's going on here i don't understand and it's that that same sort of thing you know yeah no that's exactly it yeah um we did it we nailed this topic down so hard steve i'm so proud of topic this is an ad i'm so proud of us are you proud of this next topic was sent by carson rick i'm so proud man we did it this next topic was sent by carson ricketts he says can y'all talk about how the buyers should approach private sellers selling gear my and my car and i get what's your bottom dollar price like, look here, dickhead. It's got a price on it. Make me an offer, then I'll work with you. Rude. So this actually happened with – so this is funny. Like, So when I sold my car like a few months ago, I uh-huh. go there, and the guy's like I, – I don't remember what I had it listed for. But the guy's like, oh, what's your lowest offer? And I'm like, I think I had it listed for like 25. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I've got it listed for 25. And he's like, he's like – I was like – He's like, well, I can't. He's like, can you do less? I was like, yeah, I can, I can maybe bring it a little. And then he was just like, can you do 18? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I just, give me cash so I can show, be done. Show me the money in your pocket. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's exactly it. And, you know, Aaron Coleman says, said this is like when you post a price, like you are saying this is the price that I want. This is the starting price. Yeah. When a buyer, a potential buyer says, well, what's your lowest price? It's like my lowest price is whatever – the most you're willing to pay is right. Like if I, whenever I get that person who's like hit me up off of Craigslist or offer up or whatever, and I was like, well, how, how low will you go? I'm like, well, I've already got like three other people messaging me about this. So I'm kind of just going to see what offers I get, you know? Right. And that's really what it comes to. It's what it is, is it is a power struggle. You are fighting over the power dynamic of who's in it control of combat. the deal. 
it is the it is combat it is the art of the deal oh my <laughs> god <laughs> but no it is like because like if you tell them what your lowest is then they've got a new starting point and they're like well i don't know if i can do that much and now you're screwed because you can't get more than what your lowest is like you're trying to get as close as what you listed to it as possible. And they're trying to get under like what you think your lowest is because they're trying to get a deal. So it really comes down to just refusing to give that information, refusing to, to, to bend to their whim. Right. Like if you've already put a price out there, you made the first move. You've already said, like you've you've already put a frame of reference for this. They're obviously interested because they're talking to you, and so you just have to be like, no, you you give me a number. You you take a guess. You take a stab. A and lot, I'll let, a lot I'll of, let you know if it's too low. A lot of times when someone when somebody says like, what's your lowest? What's the lowest you'll take? I just send them whatever I listed. Right, right. It's like the lowest. I'll, oh, this is for a hundred dollars. What's what's the lowest you'll take? A hundred dollars. Yeah. Like unless you give me a reason to ask for less than a hundred dollars. It's a hundred dollars. And here's the thing. Like if, if, if they're like, Oh, what's the lowest you'll go? I'm like, well, and you know, it's three grand or whatever. Uh, you, 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 you tell me how much you're like, what's the highest you're willing to offer is. Yeah. And I'll let you know. And then when they come back with $2,500, you're like, Oh man, that's lower than I thought my lowest was going to be <laughs> <laughs> making them feel like, Oh, they're still getting a steal. I'm like, ah, I mean, uh, can you throw in a, you know, can you throw in like a couple bucks? Can you make it, you know, 25, 20, 27, 2,500 and five bucks or like, oh my gosh. do you have like a candy bar $25, on you? $25, 20, 2,502 bucks. Do you have any like gift cards in your pocket? I'll take like $4 left on your supplementation. Oh, that reminds me. I, ha- I have a couple rebates. I need rebate cards. I need to yeah. use. I mean, I'm, that's really just the, the sum of it though. Like it's all a power struggle. Don't give that number up to anyone. If you've already listed one number, you're done. Yeah. Like make, yeah. make, make them take a stab at it, you know? I'm still taking offers for my uh, Gear Supply Co. Harmonic Tram. Oh, you still on, have that? on Reverb. <laughs> I keep getting offers for like $40. I think Josh Scott might be trying to track down controversial pedals because there was oh. someone who did a post about him trying to track down an Alpha Drive. Interesting. Maybe you should message him and be like, "Hey, maybe I should." You want a uh, you want a pedal from a company that folded and left people in the lurch? Maybe instead, maybe I'll just see. Uh, maybe I'll just see if he's down to trade. Oh yeah, because I don't like. I'm just selling. Do you think Josh ever gets rid of pedals? I think he tr- frequently trades his company's product. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He'd probably trade color yeah. color box. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you think he's going to trade a color box for? It's, it's super like rare, super, right? super simple harmonic trim that never officially got produced. It could probably, I'm sure they have a harmonic trim. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, I don't know. That's yeah. an interesting idea. It is. All right. This is a part of the show where oh, uh, we, we do go. a little housekeeping. Time to sweep uh, it clean around housekeeping, here. Housekeeping. I want to thank these guys for doing, uh, supporting us at, on patreon.com slash 60 cycle. Um, yeah, something like that. You can find us. You Just go on Patreon. Cycle Hum on Patreon. It's probably going to be the only one. I hope it's the only one. Uh, so, so we got a couple guys at the ten dollar level. We're running 20, out of 20, stuff. Twenty, give in us here. money. Uh, this first one is uh, Max Gibbons. We're going to send Max. Uh, you know what? We'll do. 
some chicken picks. Oh, nice. And uh, we're going to do this this oral dream. You might re- remember <laughs> from a recent, the oral dream, Purely Fuzz, as well as our own swag pack. We got a swag pack. That uh, is stickers and stuff. Officially the worst sounding pedal from that video that I did. So congratulations. I don't know why I, why I picked this pedal because I already know that Max is in the UK. So it's going to be ridiculous Steve, for you shipping. You screwed yourself. I know. Um, and uh, the second guy at the $10 level is Luke Lime. So thanks, Luke and Max. Um, we're going to send I this. I mean, we use Inner Circle funds to pay for the shipping. So it's kind of like a self-fulfilling thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to send this Strymon Big Sky Keychain. This is pretty. I've never seen one we of these. discussed looking up the value of that before giving it away. And I don't think we did. So that might be worth upwards of 3 to $4. Uh, you know what? You keep you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Uh, I'm going to throw in some... This is where we fetch it out when we find out it's worth $200. These Ortega wood picks along with that. And uh, this Walrus Audio pick tin. So we got some other stuff in here. Not much left. Not much left. But we got some other stuff in here. Oh, no listings on Reverb for Strymon Keychain. Because it's super rare. Super duper rare. Oh, my god. Did gosh. you get that in Am? No, it came uh, with the Iridium. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know if it came with every Iridium or if it just came in the box because it was a package to me or whatever. I don't know. So, uh, once again, thanks everybody who supports us. Of course, at the end of the show, if you support us at any level, you get your name on the show. Sorry, guys, who are still supporting us on Podbean. I still haven't ported that information over yet. Ooh, Switch over to Patreon. You know, catch up with the times, boys. All right, this last ad was sent by Nick Harshaw. It's a baritone conversion. Uh, this is the cherry on the Sunday of this episode, as far as I'm concerned. This ad is bonkers. Homemade baritone guitar, size of a bass, made from a bass. <laughs> Telly Bridge, locking nut, humbucker, I believe it was out of an 80s Jackson. Uh, handles distortion and clean pretty well. Best offer. Played live plenty of times. Held up great. I may have misunderstood this post, but I think this bass once belonged to Nick. Okay. If it did, it was it a bass when he owned it? I believe it was a bass when okay. he owned it. Okay. 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 That's I, I, good. I could have. I could have totally misunderstood. So what we're looking at here is a jazz bass style body with a jazz bass style neck that has been converted to be a baritone guitar, which actually is not bonkers. I have seen basses converted to baritones, especially, uh, specifically, Longhorn Dan Electros. People buy the bass, Longhorn Dan Electro, mm-hmm. and they'll cut a new nut for it. Right. And there's room on the headstock for two, new, two, two more tuners uh-huh. for 3 by 3 and they'll put a new bridge on it, and it's a baritone. That this, makes sense. This is trickier with a Fender-style jazz bass body, where the scale is really, really long. The headstock does not easily accept. Oh no, they went four by two. Yeah, they went four they by actually, two. Actually, and they are, they're all bass tuners. That's part of the crazy thing is that there's still bass tuners when they, sh- but you know, those holes were drilled for bass tuners. They, they, they'd have to dowel them and re drill them for guitar tuners. But for the extra two strings, you also use. Yeah, they could have gone. <laughs> is it. Are bass tuners like a totally different ratio? Is that going to make it hard to tune? Um, I, I can't say for sure. I feel like bass tuners are a much 
You know what? I don't know if they're a different ratio. So one of the bonkers things about this... They might be, because your typical base peg is, like, way bigger. Right, right. One of the bonkers things about this is that usually... Oh, just one. On that that baritone conversion I was talking about with the Dan Electro, they cut a new nut. Yeah. Which makes sense. They cut a new nut on this one, too. No, they must have had to mangle where the nut was because they put in a Floyd Rose nut. Yeah, they cut a new nut. They just got rid of the old nut and screwed this thing into place. You, I, they must have had to remove wood to do that, right? You I can't just drop one of these in where there used to be a regular nut on we, a bass guitar. We can't see the action, so we, we don't I'm know. I'm surprised it fits you know, the nut width. I didn't realize a jazz bass had the same nut width as a, as a Floyd Rose guitar. Um, I feel like if you look closely, it doesn't, doesn't. quite <laughs> it, fit. It, you're right. It does like... <laughs> To hang I mean, a, a, jazz, bit. a jazz bass is a pretty narrow um, neck. Right. Also, okay, okay, another bonkers thing about this. They use a Telecaster bridge for the bridge, yeah. and it has a, the empty slot for where the, the single coil would be. I'm like, put a, if you're going to do that, put a single coil in there. It's routed out underneath it. This baritone, a baritone would sound great with the Telecaster single coil. <laughs> Instead, they've got a middle position humbucker. Oh, you know what I'm looking this at? This is just so much disaster. I'm looking at a picture of a jazz bass ne- neck, and I don't, you know, maybe this particular bass neck, because it's, I don't think this is a real jazz bass. No, it's bass, not. This is some off-brand uh, thing. Is was different, but the jazz bass neck doesn't doesn't have like the acoustic style saddle on it it's, it's got, got a fender like it's got the fender style yeah, so yeah like the strat they style. probably they may have had to mangle it like you're talking no, I'm about saying that i think they chiseled out a chunk of wood to um, get and there's no reason to have locking tuners on this there's no there's no trim on it yeah they that's did that good, just because that's all they had that they did that because that's what they had for sure <laughs> this is so stupid I like I like the commitment to it though. They had they went and bought a set of bass tuners to complete. <laughs> or maybe they pulled them off a different bass. Well, there's a pile of guitars ha- hanging out behind this thing. Let's see what else is going on back there. I can't really so, tell. So a uh, jazz bass neck nut width is slightly slimmer than a Mexican Stratocaster. This is so you're you're right. Like this, yeah. this definitely is not fitting. This is like an Andy's room scenario with all these other guitars hanging out behind it that are just like save us. A bad man lives here. <laughs> Get us out of this place. We saw what he did to the base. Where? Please rescue us. Oh, is this us. on the? Where, I don't see this picture. There's a photo. Oh, it's the next picture. Other guitars behind the guitar. A bunch of. What looks like kind of like budget classicals. Yeah, there's and a stuff. couple classicals. There's some sort of electric, some sort of semi hollow electric. What looks like a Dan Electro? That looks like a Dan Electro bridge. Yeah, it totally is in the Dan Electro. The the green one. Yeah, the Dan Electro. Knob. The one in front of it looks like uh, kind of looks like a Wilshire. That's what. Or I was getting like a Gretchy vibe off of it, like a traveling Wilbury sort of. Yeah. Gretchy yeah. thing. And then there's some semi hollow right here. Yeah, it's hard to tell Save what that is. Me. Oh, it's a freaking three pickup casino. Is it a casino? How can you tell? Go to the next picture. Oh, yeah. We got way more right. pictures than we thought. You're a real detective, Steve. Yeah. 
one of those. All uh, he did was look at a different picture and figured out. Is it the there's casino? No, there's no neck plate on this. It's, the neck is screwed direct into the body with just four screws. Yeah. This was like probably originally a import. Oh import something gosh. or other. Real cheap. So yeah. Throw it in the trash. I just just burn it. How much does he want for it? Is there a price? Um, I don't think there's a price. No price. I best bet- offer. He wants best offer for it. One dollar. Okay, Steve. This is what we were talking about in the topic. Like, how low do you go to to establish dominance in this deal? I'm thinking forty five bucks. I was thinking forty bucks. I'm we're actually close. I'm actually under you for once. Pretty close. Do you feel like we have like a like a really defined uh, skill for pricing things now? No. There was a guitarist <laughs> playing at Nam, and I guess oh, it was a, the solar guitar. Yeah, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this feels like it's probably like an eight hundred dollar guitar." And then I looked it up, and the price was like seven, like forty five ninety nine or something like that. I was like, "Damn!" After tax, I nailed it. I nailed it. And I ever since I've, I've had a little bit of a big. Oh head. my gosh! I mean, there's no way to actually, you know, appraise the value of this because it's hot, hot trash. But I'm looking at like forty five bucks. I, you know, I could harvest some parts out of this and burn the rest, you know, right. Freaking Yule log it and save. If there's, that's an eighties Jackson pickup. It could sound pretty good. Yeah. I mean that bridge, the pickup could be cool. There's other that elements bridge here. There's hardware that you could use. It's the six saddle style Telecaster bridge. Yeah. Hardware. The, the electron, the elect, the jazz base plate could probably, looks like it's in decent condition. And there's knobs on here. You know, you, you everyone could, loves knobs. Yeah, you could put those knobs on something. You've got a Floyd Rose nut. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> you're always replacing Floyd Rose nuts. Oh, I just got a new nut on this Floyd Rose. That'll make it all Liter- better. Literally, I think it, you know, you strip this down, you throw this jazz bass body on your local Craigslist or whatever for twenty bucks, and no. it's it's gone. I think that body's over. It's no, mangled. I'm saying you take everything off of it because I don't. I mean, they chisel, this dude chiseled stuff out of it for you sure. You think that's chiseled? It looks bad. I don't know. I think if you put this on, someone on, will buy it for five bucks. I think if you put it up for, I, I think you could get twenty for the body. No, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. pay twenty bucks for that body. Well, you're wrong. All right, all right. Uh, this get out of here, Steve. This last song was sent by Justin Wood. Uh, he says, "I don't Woody? have Woody. No Wood. Woody. Woody. What? Wood. Uh, I don't Did have he, a lot though? of Wood." <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to create now that I'm a rad dad of two little ones, but I managed to bang nice. this out rad in about club. two days, about seven hours total. Interestingly enough, you also banged out those two kids in about on two different days, but uh, well, you did. Probably not seven hours unless he's freaking sting over there. Yeah. Some of the gear I used, Pure Salem Wood Soul, Yamaha VS, VSS30, Nightfall Pedal Company, Bloom and Fade, Pladask, Fabricat, Midnight 30, Serenity Reverb, uh, Maris Enzo Nux Solid Studio into a Keith McMillan K Mix and Ableton for the Daw. This song is called Sheer uh, by, and he goes by uh, the name Careless Light on the internet. Boy, so we're we going to play this song. Hit me um, with it, man. Oh, come on now. Apparently, my phone. There we go. <sighs>
was a great song this is the kind of music i like to listen to when i have to write papers at work if i heard that song on the radio i wouldn't flinch i'd be like oh yeah this is a radio song yeah that was good great job dude. you busted that out in seven hours i'm gonna make an album dude i don't care if you're a rad yeah, dad with two kids make the time put out an yeah, album that put was out good. an ep that was great man yeah thanks thanks for sending that in <sighs> all right bye everyone stay grounded